0: Welcome back to Leaders of Colour. On today's episode, we are joined by two young women from Shades of Sustainability. First, we have Justine Punzelen. She is a Philippinex youth born and raised in the Philippines. She immigrated to Turtle Island and currently resides as a settler in the Musqueam, Slewato, and Squamish First Nations, also known as Vancouver. She is a co-founder of Shades of Sustainability a community project that centers BIPOC folks and their lived experiences in the environmental movement. She is also involved as a youth peer facilitator for Check Your Head and as a youth advisory member for the Michael Smith Foundation's Health Exchange. She is a recent graduate from the University of Victoria, where she completed her Bachelor of Social Work degree. She enjoys community involvement and the power that youth have in creating sustainable and meaningful changes, and outside of social justice, she can be found cuddling with her cat, Dory, spending time with her family and friends, and dismantling colonization. We are also joined by Josel Rifol, who is a second-generation immigrant of the Philippine diaspora, who is a settler on the ancestral and unceded lands of the tsleil Squamish, and Musqueam nations as well. She is the co-founder of Seven of Shades of Sustainability, a project that means a lot to her as she navigates the crevices of identity and activism. Besides being involved in way too many things, she is a writer and wanderer at heart. She is so deeply in love with the beauty of nature and continues to manifest a more equitable future. As she enters her final years of study at Simon Fraser University, she hopes to work in health promotion to address health disparities in immigrant populations, specifically the Philippinex community. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Yes, thank you for having us. Thanks for having us.
0: How are you both doing these days?
1: Honestly, I just feel like This whole year I've been feeling all sorts of like up and down where I feel like oh so happy and then all of a sudden feeling so down so I think it's like a roller coaster of emotions but right now I'm feeling very happy to be here.
2: Yeah I can echo the same as Justine. But every day kind of feels the same. Like all the days are kind of merging together. I had one friend tell me before that it just feels like a constant Thursday, like you're in the middle of the week
0: and there's not really a weekend. So I'm doing all right. It's just a little bit blurry at times. That's good to hear. Um, have you either of you been watching or listening to anything of interest lately? Actually, I'm currently reading a book right now called An
1: American Marriage by Tayari Jones. And honestly, it's such it's such an empowering, really good, deep love story. If you really want like a unique to read a unique love story, like a shockworthy storyline, this is the book to read. It centers a black couple's marriage and has like themes of race, love, loss, and separation. So I highly recommend that book.
2: While Justine is reading, um, I am currently re-watching Wizards of Waverly Place because I have Disney+. Plus. Um, and it's, like, so awesome because I just feel super nostalgic. I watch it during my work breaks. Um, and I also get super embarrassed when I'm laughing at, like, terrible humor that was obviously funny when I was 12, but I still find it funny. But I did order, like, a bunch of books yesterday just to make up for that and, like, do some reading besides watching TV shows.
0: Fair enough. Honestly, that was the first thing I rewatched when I got Disney Plus. Was um, <laughs> was Wizards of Waverly Place, and I finished it. So
2: <laughs> yes, I am halfway. Like I totally feel you there.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about your organization and what it is you folks are doing. Yeah. So our
1: mission statement is to mobilize you to reconnect with other generations and reimagine sustainability on their own terms, specifically through a BIPOC lens and have a space for BIPOC youth to talk about climate justice. So we want to cater to specifically a BIPOC audience, but previously it was youth aged 18 to 30. But now we want to expand our audience to a more general BIPOC audience and cater to more of an intergenerational dialogue. So we want to center BIPOC folks lived experiences and stories through storytelling and dialogue. So we have a digital storytelling series that we have as part of our project. So previously on last year, Our digital storytelling theme kind of centered around what does sustainability mean for BIPOC youth and how that connects with their identity and their involvement in the environmental movement. And currently, we have a new digital storytelling series where the theme is for folks to reimagine a just and equitable future. So this current digital storytelling is in collaboration with another local group of youth in Vancouver called Amplify Vancouver. Um, yeah and then we also have our dialogue so last year we held a dinner dialogue kind of like um talking more about what was said in the digital storytelling series and having a space a safe space for BIPOC youth to gather and reclaim their identity and talk about and exchange um, sustainable practices together and how they've gotten involved in, in, in the environmental movement. And currently, because with COVID, we have, we're ho- going to be hosting a virtual dialogue event with our collaborative project with Amplify Vancouver called Our Stories, Our Futures, Our Voices. And it will also talk about the digital storytelling series that we had that will soon be posted, actually. And the virtual dialogue event will also center BIPOC voices. And it will continue to talk about what a just and equitable, sustainable future would look like. So I think that's our project in a nutshell.
0: That's awesome. And you mentioned that, I think it's in your in one of your bios, that you're one of seven each co-founders?
1: Yes, we are. Um, currently, there's, I believe, six of us all together, Giselle?
2: Yeah, <laughs> so- wrong. I guess yeah. I like kind of talk about that later, but um, we mm-hmm. came out of a program that allowed us to put this project together. So we were a group of seven, and so seven co-founders. I want to give all of us credit because we all put in a lot of labor and love into this. But and currently, for those who chose to continue after the program, there's six of us, but there's seven
0: co-founders. Awesome. Yeah, we can touch on that in a little bit. But what motivated you guys to start doing this work
1: specifically for my own personal journey? I was really interested in learning more about the environmental movement and its impacts on overexploited communities. And I also saw how there was a gap in my education and learnings. Like the impacts of the environment and climate change were not really being talked about from a BIPOC lens. And so there was not that much information or resources that I could find. So I thought I would it was important that I explore that more and How can I get more involved in that? And so that's how I was able to find a volunteer opportunity called RISE, which is under Apathy is Boring, which uh,
0: Giselle will talk about more. And what about you, Giselle? What started this for you?
1: Yeah,
2: I think the year 2019 before the year 2020 was a year of self-discovery for me. I guess I was starting to realize how disconnected I was as a second generation diaspora from my culture and also how much I've been overlooking the impacts of climate change on the environment and so I was kind of like navigating that as well as navigating kind of like sadness of the world that we live in and then I made it like a promise to myself to get more involved and find more opportunities to actually help out and not just kind of be watching people work so hard to like find about the things that they care about. So I also found RISE, which is a program out of Apathy is Boring, um, which is a cohort of youth. And I was grateful enough and thankful enough to be part of that cohort. And so I was able to join and create this project. And so I was able to both explore what it means to navigate this world and like this society as a second generation youth and also reconcile that with climate action.
0: That's awesome. Do you want to talk a little bit about the program that you guys were involved in?
2: So RISE, which is a youth program for youth age age 18 to 30 out of an organization called Apathy is Boring, is kind of just a place where youth who might have never been involved in the community before, or had not as, haven't had as much experience, like it provides them a place, like a safe place to go to, to explore that and to try something new and to give back to the communities. And so they are located in seven cities. Justine, please mistake me if I'm wrong. Um, is Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vancouver, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, and Halifax. I think that's, I think that's all of them. Yeah. Um, and they just recently expanded. And on all these cities, they have different hubs of different youth looking to get involved in their community. And each year they have a different theme. And so the year that we did it, it was the environment. And so we created Shades of Sustainability.
0: That's wonderful. It sounds like that program was a space that allowed you guys to, one, network with one another in order to meet folks who could help fa- co-found this and, and your large group of um, of seven now. Um, <laughs> but also a a space for folks who didn't necessarily have access or haven't had the opportunity yet to give back to their community. So that's fantastic. So aside from your personal interest in in creating Shades of Sustainability, what was the backing of your group and the interest from your group in order to create this project?
2: Coming as a group together, as a group of racialized youth, we identified that with our identities, it was kind of weird to engage in the environmental movement and the climate space because it was so white dominated <laughs> in a lot of panels and other events we didn't really see ourselves um, or who are most affected and who was speaking or attending and we thought it was super important to have that space and representation and then also when we were talking with our families some of us experienced like conversations with them that it was hard to talk about sustainability like why are we being sustainable there's like language barriers like Sometimes words don't translate over. There's different cultural understandings. Um, And then we realized in the discussion together that sustainability actually looks and sounds totally different from what we might interpret it in a Western lens and from where our families might come from. And a really good example of that was one of our co-founders actually had a conversation with her family, and she realized that being able to use plastic was kind of like a sign that you could afford to use plastic like before being sustainable was a method because they had to because they didn't have a choice and this is just in her family's particular situation um, and then a lot of us sometimes resonated with that or a lot of us did resonate with that because our families would talk about like oh yeah we can kind of just dispose all of these things because we can now we, we have the privilege to be able to do so we don't have to ration or do things like we did before when we were growing up somewhere else and so that's something that we realized we wanted to create a platform that we could reclaim that and be like, hey, this is sustainable and this is something we should be proud of rather than ashamed of. And so that's why we created Shades of Sustainability.
0: Yeah, I think that definitely is something that others can relate to as well, especially in the climate justice movement and the whitewashing of it that has happened from from the jump, I guess, and like this weird capitalist surrounding of environmentalism, which is so bizarre. But I think that makes makes total sense. In doing this work, have there been any challenges that you've faced um, as a result of your lived experiences and the experiences of your team?
2: Yeah, a couple things. The first thing is capacity. (laughs) Um, This has really, really impacted us, especially because of COVID. During our time with RISE, we had the support of our program coordinator, but kind of going away from that in January and then continuing into this pandemic, we realized how much capacity and work that we have to put into this and it was really heavy especially in a virtual space we felt distance from each other because we're all close (laughs) um we felt kind of unmotivated kind of like questioning like what are we doing what does this look like in a pandemic world and then another challenge that we went through was being mindful that we also aren't completely representative of our, our intended audience as we came together as a group of racialized youth majority of us were people of color and so our intended audience is black indigenous people of color those who identify as bipoc and so at the end of our first digital storytelling series back in november we realized that majority of the people that submitted were people of color and so we kind of had to be we had to be accountable like we're creating a platform for bipoc folks and it's majority poc that are taking up this space and so we really had to have an important conversation among ourselves of how can we do better to make sure that we're not just saying that we're for a BIPOC audience, like we're actually intentionally reaching out to the people that we want to include and making sure that we're aware of the work that's already being done in our community. And so that was a really important like time of accountability for us to make sure that if we did continue the project, that we were doing it intentionally. Intentionally, and we're not just saying that we're for BIPOC without doing the work to make sure that we're actually engaging the audience that we wanted to.
1: So, just echoing what Giselle has identified um, the challenges and hardships that we've faced as a group um, doing this work and this project. So, we did graduate out of the RISE program in December of last year. So, coming into 2020 in the new year, we are on our own in terms of like resources and funding and all of that. So once once COVID had hit, we were very overwhelmed just being on our own like that. And it was really hard because we always had to make sure that we check in with each other's capacity. Um, our needs are always changing every week, especially like during quarantine when everything happened. So it was important for us to communicate with each other, to offer supports in any form, and discussing the BIPOC challenge, actually, when when Giselle mentioned how we don't actually represent our intended audience, I think it was really important for us to work on intentional outreach and make sure not to be, like, make sure to be aware of tokenization, especially towards Black and Indigenous folks. And also, it was important for us to amplify other community work that centered Black and Indigenous communities. And it was also important for us to be open and transparent about this to our community. Have there been ways that you've had to pivot because of COVID in particular? For sure, it it was changing our capacities. Like we had previously before COVID, we had a lot of goals in mind, a lot of tasks that we wanted to do, a lot of outreach. But once COVID hit, I think it was really important for us to prioritize our own mental health first. Like While this project is so important to us and holds very close to our heart of the work we do, I think it was also important that we take a step back and check in with ourselves to make sure that we are okay before doing the community work.
0: Absolutely. I think that so often especially as racialized youth, we have to leave ourselves kind of behind and have folks rely on us so often that we don't take the time to perform self-care. And and also so often, self-care for us is in the form of community care. And so I think that's great that you guys have focused on ensuring the community that you've built around one another is intact during such a During such an unpredictable and very difficult time for a lot of folks, especially young folks who are who are trying to either seek employment or just graduated or continue with school and all the other problems that are going on on top of this like mass, obviously difficult situation of of folks suffering and, and death. And so it's a lot to have to deal with. And I'm glad that you guys have centered taking care of yourselves and taking care of one another. That's amazing. Do you have any tips based on what you've been doing so far for other youth who are in the same situation?
2: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that we've had to practice is taking a step back and taking a break and being honest with our capacities. Um, how I personally think about it is like rest is resistance. Like sometimes you think that we always have to constantly work and that's something that I'm trying to get out of my head um, and understanding that to take care of myself is powerful because it's preparing me to do the work and just yeah like taking a step back and checking in with your teammates like making sure that you're either like all doing okay or all on the same page if someone is struggling you don't want to move forward without keeping them in mind you want to make sure that you're all in it together I am mean, thinking about how you can best show up for each other and especially with a pandemic like or just anything that happens anything major happens just always going back to your goals and your timeline and reevaluating like what actually works right now like are we forcing ourselves to do something that we can't do at the moment and just honestly taking like little steps and not thinking so far ahead and just taking it one step at a time
1: yeah I just wanted to follow up with Giselle's answer like even as a team shades of sustainability we also meet up and have social distancing, fun gatherings with each other, not just talk about just shade sustainability in the project, but we just hang out just for fun. And we check in with each other, show up for each other. And that's how I think it's really important to, uh, for us to nurture that part of our relationship, because there is no community without community care.
0: I think that's definitely a great lesson for other folks to to hear is that you really can't have community without ensuring that your community is taken care of in all aspects. Um, and I'm glad that you guys get to social distance a little bit out in BC. I am way too terrified to do that in Ontario. <laughs> what has been some of the most fulfilling parts of the work that you've been doing amidst the challenges either this year or previous? Yeah. So definitely, one of the
1: one of our success works was last November during our dinner dialogue. It was called our Big Talks with BIPOC event. So being able to see our vision and hard work come to life after weeks and months of planning was really, really inspiring to see. It was also really great seeing BIPOC folks resonate online and in person with the stories that we published and hearing people giving us feedback how they wanted to get more involved and continue to support our initiative. So that was really, really heartwarming to see, actually. Also, um, our team recently celebrated our one-year anniversary of meeting each other for the first oh, time. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, it was like a one-year celebration of meeting each other for the first time, like starting the Race program and change sustainability in general during that social distance hangout we had a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and then we talked about what has been one good thing or story or experience that's has come out of being in change sustainability in the past year. And many of us really reflected that. Getting to know one another and being closer was one of the biggest highlights of the year. So, yeah, doing this work together continues to be fulfilling for all of us.
0: That's wonderful. So in the midst of COVID and in the midst of having to adjust capacities and putting yourself first in order to do this work in the future and and remain sustainable, no pun intended what are the ways that you continue to have your work be meaningful and fulfilling to you? I know it's difficult. Like I said, with everything going on in COVID it's hard to kind of see the future a lot of the time, but what, what remains meaningful for you?
1: I think it's always important for us as Shades of Sustainability to always revisit our intentions and community agreements. So our intentions are what shapes our vision, our goals, our impacts. Whenever we like make a big decision, when or a decision about partnerships or anything in particular, um, we always try to ask ourselves like, what are our intentions with this? Who is benefiting from this decision? Who are we centering? I think that really is important when we do our work, and we it's important for us to highlight that. Our community agreements are something that we um, created together in the beginning of the RISE program, like when we were beginning to form Shade Sustainability. It's kind of like a living document that each member of the group um, contributes to about, um, it's kind of like guidelines of how, I guess I wouldn't say like how to behave, but like how to I guess, like work together in a way as a as a group, like, for example, like a community agreement would be like listen to learn or be open to everybody's opinions and beliefs and values. So I think it's also important for us to look back on that whenever there might be some um, sort of conflict or something that comes up in our group.
0: So what are some of the upcoming opportunities that you have available for young people.
2: So with COVID, we're still taking the time to really re-envision the future of shades of sustainability. At the beginning of the year, we kind of had some plans and then obviously those kind of fell through because of the current situation that we're in. So we're still re-envisioning, we're still re-envisioning, re-envisioning our intention and making sure that we can do something with care and not just because out of out of the whim so stay tuned on our social media channels which which just justine will plug um to see how you can get involved and how you can engage because the entire world is digital at this point
1: yeah for sure so we do have a facebook page and an instagram account at shades of sustainability we also have a website at www.shadesofsustainability.com and in terms of if you're looking for any volunteer opportunities, we really recommend looking into Apathavia's Boring's Rise program because that was where Shade Sustainability was born. And it's a great opportunity for youth to also create a community project of their own. So right now they did just finish recruiting for their current cohort, but they are always, they always have new cohorts. So I would look at Apathia's Boring's website to look for um, Wonder recruiting next time for new applicants.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, folks, so much for joining us. It was wonderful to hear about all the work you're doing with Shades of Sustainability and to see racialized youth working in this movement, especially. That's something that I'm pretty big on as well. And before we let you go, though, we have our final segment that we like to call How I Would End Racism. And for me, this is personally my favorite part. (laughs) But as young leaders of color, we're constantly actually trying to end racism um, or at least reduce the harms that it causes both towards ourselves and towards our communities while we do some sort of advocacy and fighting to end it. But imagine if we could do so instantly. In 30 seconds or less, pitch your funniest and most creative way that you would end racism. Would it be a Thanos snap that all our problems got solved through Or we've had folks say, push the easy button and and, and it'll notify you every time you have a microaggression. (laughs) What (laughs) is it for you?
1: First of all, I just want to say like we had a good laugh (laughs) when we were writing our answers. But for me... And mine probably doesn't make sense. But what I would do is during Mercury Retrograde, I would shift the stars to align to end racism. Some people cannot be racist to each other and just continue to uplift each other up.
0: Nice. We're going to hear this challenge. <laughs> I love
2: it. No, sorry. I was just like, Justine's like super into astrology, and like she's like slowly (laughs) getting our team to like check their birth charts. Oh god! So it's fun. Nice. How about you? This is really hard for me because when I'm creative, I become creative in like the most serious mindset. So I had to think of something that was not serious. So if someone tried to say a racist remark, I think that they should just be hiccuping. Like it would literally prevent them from saying what they need to say and it would just be something that's funny. And like if the universe is like really upset with like all of the times that they're trying to say something racist or be racist, they would just turn into a treat so they can actually contribute like to the planet. <laughs> so it's like more oxygen like no toxic energy like it would just be like if someone was racist the way to get them to stop is just to turn them into a tree so we have more trees more oxygen and then we can just have a better planet so that
0: that sounds good we're gonna make racism (laughs) useful for us exactly (laughs) amazing thank you guys so much for joining us it was wonderful to have you and i'm excited to see what's in store in the future for shades of sustainability thank you. Thank you for having us, Suresha. Wonderful. Thank you guys so much for joining us.